0: Welcome to Pick a Little Talk a Little, the podcast where we talk about how musicals make us feel, specifically <laughs> one musical at a time. I as always am your host Gabriella Gazelowitz and with me today is Emily
1: Gofor. Emily, you came back? I did. I'm back. I'm going to be less less
0: rude today. <laughs> no, I like our producer was pointing out that it's great to have someone who disagrees with me about things. <laughs> But why don't you tell us what we're talking about today?
1: Today we're talking about Bridges of Madison County by Jason Robert Brown.
0: Yeah, so Bridges of Madison County is notable for a couple of reasons. It's definitely the most recent musical we've covered on the podcast because it was only on Broadway in 2014. This is a contemporary musical. Is it 2014? That was two years ago? Yeah. Jesus Christ. It's the second musical that I've covered that takes place in Iowa (laughs) because our pilot episode was The Music Man. Man, It's our first Jason Robert Brown musical, but for context, it's based on a book by the same name from 1992 by Robert James Waller. And he's like, "Oh, it's kind of about me." And let's forget about that. I don't really care <laughs> about the book. There was also a, a movie, movie I've with, never that I've never movie. seen with Meryl Streep and Clint Eastwood, which seems like a weird pairing to me. It is. I need to watch it. The poster is like him like holding her the same way that Stephen Pasquale is holding. Kelly O'Hara in the musical poster but it's like I feel like Clint Eastwood shouldn't like make contact physically with other human beings like I'm sure he's a nice guy and like I know he's done it he has that hunky son who makes movies no one sees but like I don't know it's just incongruous to me also Meryl Streep I know she can do anything etc but I feel like her with an Italian accent would be kind of weird. I mean, Kelly O'Hara makes it work and she only there's only like one line in the entire cast recording where she sounds like a chef boyardee commercial. It's true. The musical is as Emily said, uh, music and lyrics by Jason Robert Brown a book by Marcia Norman. The Broadway production was directed by Bart Lachaire, so it's like it's a good team. It did close very quickly. It opened in February, closed in May. And we tend not to talk too much about one particular production of a show, even the original production. There's no like, really, yeah. There's the tour.
1: That's the, the only thing that exists yeah. now. There's the original and the tour.
0: Pretty much. Apparently there was a production last year in Manila, which is neat. And I'm sure some regional theater somewhere has done it yeah. at this point, like somewhere in Iowa. Yeah, no, they have. Because I follow Jason Robert Brown on Twitter and
1: somebody tweeted him probably two months ago. Being like, can we do the show if we don't have musicians? Can we just, is there a track somewhere? And he was like, if you can't afford to hire musicians, you shouldn't do the show.
0: That's a very um, Jason Robert Brown thing to say. Yes. We, we will also be a little bit laxer on our rule about talking about actors and how they embody the roles, because at this point, there's pretty much one iconic. portrayer of of each of these roles, while they are not the only people to have taken on the role. What's your relationship with this musical? (laughs) Uh, It doesn't have to be emotionally, I mean, in terms of direct experience.
1: Well, direct experience was I spent all of February to May trying to get money to go see the show, because I knew it was great and I knew it was going to close early. Um, And then I finally got it, but it was last week, and I went there and they were like, nope, you can't get rush tickets because it's the last week of the show. I've never heard that rule. Yeah, it's because I've done a bunch of shows and it's always that way. And then I'm like, I just scraped the money together. Screw you. So that's my relationship to the show. I never got to see it.
0: So this show is notable for me on this podcast because this is the first show on this podcast that I became acquainted with. I familiarized myself with it for the purposes of the podcast. So I've been living this show for like the past like several days. Like I listened to the cast recording so many times that I could only think in lyrics. (laughs) And I do confess, I went on YouTube and I found a bootleg and I watched it. I am not condoning the practice of recording Broadway bootlegs. So it is a show that closed and that you can't go see anyway. So I've seen the show, albeit like through between someone's legs or whatever it was. (laughs) So as we get started, also because I have a really good observation about Derek Klana that I want to make. Ooh. So we start and we meet Francesca Johnson, and our song is To Build a Home. And it just starts with her on stage singing to us and narrating her, her life, which, long story short... She was born and raised in Italy and was a young woman there during World War II. And after the war, an American soldier who was overseas married her, took her back to Iowa, where she's been living for 18 years as like a farm wife with her husband and two kids. Um, I really like this opening number.
1: It's really good. You get to know her, you get to love her. It starts so strong because she's so sympathetic. Yeah. Right. And Kelly's amazing. So. Right. So Kelly's right. amazing. Yeah, it just starts off great because you care about the character immediately. It's just like who she is, where she is in life. Because it's not just straight up like information dump. She speaks right. a lot about like how she conceives of the worlds. And there's that like beautiful like waltz moment in the middle with like blade of grass, yes. blade of grass. And that waltz moment is just like gorgeous. And it says so much about her character.
0: Right. And so yeah. when I learned the plot of this show, I was like, she's going to be this like meek downtrodden like sad lonely quiet person who's like miserable all the time and in this song we get like she both explicitly and like through the music tells us how proud she is of the life that she's built for herself and that it's not so complicated that she's just sitting around all day like waiting for someone to come by and have an affair with her. Spoiled. She
1: chose this life. My physical reaction to what is your relationship with this musical is something that's like there's a lot of pieces of this musical that are like weirdly specific to my family (laughs) and and things that uh, family members of mine have gone through so it's like it's weird but uh, anyway that part feels very true and that it's like I made this choice and I want to be here and I want this family but also there's a part missing because I made this choice and it will come through later where she's like I was escaping something
0: right and that's
1: not Really a good reason to make any sort of decision, but it is a very true re- reason for people to make decisions.
0: Yeah, 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 absolutely. Also, we'll be talking about Jason Robert Brown on An Awful Lot. Mm-hmm. My personal mixed feelings about him, <laughs> but he does everything from sort of musical mixed with country to musical mixed with opera mm-hmm. in this show yeah. to mixed effect. I just love that she's a soprano. Mm-hmm. There are, like, sopranos are so underused. It's true. We've moved away from con- a lot. That's it's why Kelly O'Hara does revivals most yeah. of the time. Yeah. It's because it's there are no parts for her being written nowadays.
1: There's only alto parts really written yeah. anymore, yeah.
0: So we move pretty much right into Home Before You Know It, and we meet Francesca's family. We got her husband, Bud, her son, Michael, and her daughter, Carolyn.
1: This is a track I skip once I know the musical.
0: Why? It's boring.
1: I kind of like this song. I'm sure it's like, it's one of those things where I'm like, I'm sure this would be super effective while you're watching it. Yeah. And then eventually, after like listening to it, I'm like, all right, I want to get to the pretty music again.
0: (laughs) So I see your point. It's not as pretty as some of the other songs, but also, as we'll get to, I think some of the songs try so hard to be pretty that they forget to be interesting. That's true. First of all, I think that like Hunter Foster. That happens with the next track. You like, (laughs) read my brain which we'll get to the porno track next. <laughs> um, but Hunter Foster as Bud, I think is yes. so engaging. In particular, I am obsessed with her daughter, Carolyn. Mm. She is my favorite character in the entire musical. Awesome. We don't see enough of characters. I was like, there are my points in this musical where it's like, I kind of want this musical to be about her instead. So musicals, as a rule, are allowed to... They don't need to adhere to show, don't tell the way other media do because yeah. characters, like, sing their feelings, etc. Yeah. That said, Jason Robert Brown sometimes errs on the side of tell of tell too much. And I think, if, for example, in this song, mm-hmm. she's talking to her daughter, Francesca's talking to Carolyn, and Carolyn goes, why do you have to always say what Dad says? You don't care about this farm. You should have stayed in Italy. You're not happy here. And it's a little bit like, you didn't need to say all that. also at the top of the show, also like from her daughter showing up to just be like, hey, like this is my mother who's really unsatisfied. And also it means that she is a family member who understands what she's going through, yeah. which is sort of counter to what the show is trying to say later, which is that no one in her family gets this. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know, that was a moment that I wasn't super nuts about, even though I love Carolyn. This is the point, I just want to mention Derek Lana, who plays the son, Michael. Here's what I find fascinating about Derek Lana in this role. Like, he plays teenagers all the time. This is one of the Uh only roles I can think of him where he doesn't play, like, the hot popular kid romancing the awkward girl. Uh He did it in Carrie, (laughs) he did it in Dogfight, and he did it in Wicked. It's a very specific role that he's often in and
1: those are all very different shows yeah and yet
0: that's interesting anyway oh and what the song tells us is that francesca's family is off to the state fair um to leave her home alone for a few days and carolyn's prize steer stevie is going to maybe be steer of the year i spend a lot of this musical being like i wonder if stevie's gonna win steer of the year like (laughs) i was on the edge of my seat about it it. like she's like having this affair yes I'll tell you what happens when we get to that point in the okay, show. I want to know about the fucking cow. Exactly, who we never see on stage because yeah. that would be a bad idea. Uh, pretty much immediately after her family leaves, and she oh, seems a little bit bummed about it, a photographer pulls up into her driveway. He's like, I'm Robert Kincaid. I'm from National Geographic. There are famous covered bridges in Madison County. Apparently this is true. And I am here to photograph them. And he's like, I can't find the last bridge. I wonder if people go to the bridge and, like, take selfies. They definitely sure do. sure they do. And Francesca's like, oh, you're not going to be able to find it unless you're local. I'll just show you the way. Mm-hmm. And they sing Temporarily Lost. Well, he sings Temporarily Lost, which is, like, introductory song.
1: Yeah, and it's, like, the thesis of the show, essentially.
0: Yeah, it's boring and I don't yeah. like it. He's like, I'm looking for something. And it's like, okay, you're looking for the bridge. And oh, no, you're he's... looking for something. Yeah, and it's
1: this idea of, like, You can only find something when you're not looking for it and all that that jazz.
0: So... uh, But it's just like... (laughs) The entire time. And furthermore... The whole point is that it's not supposed to be, like, porny. It's not supposed to be, like, I'm a housewife who's been left all alone, and you're a photographer, and you showed up, and your shirt is unbuttoned a little bit. Well, he has, like, a little undershirt underneath. Don't worry, there's plenty of shirtless Stephen Pasquale oh, in, this, in this in this musical, which is, like, worth the price of admission had Thank I paid to go design. see it. But the song feels kind of porny, like, temporarily lost. It almost has this kind of boom-chicka-boom-chicka-boom-chicka. <laughs> like, there's no rhythm to it, but it's almost yeah. this sort of, like, him being kind of, like, weirdly seductive and being like, well, I just blew in from Spokane and, like, I guess I'm kind of lost. Yeah. And it's great because, so Kelly O'Hara is perfect and on stage she's just, she has no chill immediately. <laughs> like, as soon as she gets in the truck with him, she's so clearly good. attracted to him uh-huh. and, like, she really just goes for it. There's one scene, I had to write down this direct quote, where later he asks, like, are you thirsty? And she goes, so thirsty. And the, <laughs> the audience started laughing. Yeah, and I don't know too. if, like, I don't know if Marsha Norman did that on purpose, yeah. thinking of contemporary slang, but it's like, yes, the thirst is strong. In ancient Greece,
1: that was also a thing. Thirst? Yeah. Cool. Fun fact. That is a fun fact. <laughs> that the word for thirst was, could mean that you were thirsty, or also it was the name for
0: a prostitute. Uh, Francesca sings "What Do You Call a Man Like That," which is, which is a fine song. It's like a step up from the previous song. What I love about it is that she's so attracted to him. She refers to him as "it." It's this weird, like, reverse objectification. Yes. "What do you call a man like that?" "How really can you missed. give it a name?" "How
1: can you give it a name?" "Oh my goodness." <laughs> it's
0: great. That's so. Incredible. Yeah, and Francesca takes Robert back home to offer him a glass of tea at pretty much every opportunity. He's trying to leave, and she's finding an excuse. To make him stay. I mean she finds out that he was recently in Naples where she grew up and he was there taking pictures and she really wants to see them. He says I don't have the mommy right now but it's this sort of weird connection to home Mm -hmm. that she didn't expect and she's telling him about Iowa. What the heck is You're Never Alone doing in this musical? I don't know. I hate it. Yeah. It's just random interlude. So it's a song where all of a sudden we see like this like memory play out in front of Robert and Francesca of Bud, Francesca's yeah. husband, yeah. and the other people of the town, like chipping in to help a guy who tried to kill himself yeah. when he is like farm went under. I-, I mean, you're never alone. So on- I've only listened to the recording. So every
1: time it like pops up, I'm like, what is this random thing? Because do you immediately go back to,
0: to Francesca? So, was, like, staging so it's,
1: it's happening, no at, the idea idea. It's so, happening like, at the same
0: time. So like Bud so, like, shows up in their kitchen and he's like interacting with Francesca like, as if when it, how it happened at the time. And Francesca's like turning back to Robert who is like, can see Bud in this sort of like dream sequence. And then everyone's getting around the table. So first of all, like, and it's like, yeah, I feel something (laughs) hearing about this farmer who tried to kill himself, but it's because you're just like, hey, there was this farmer who tried to kill himself. There's no, it's, it's, it's just supposed to tell us something about the show. So what's interesting about the original Broadway production is that they have the ensemble, small though it is, moving the set pieces, but furthermore, they don't have them go off stage. They only have them like sit in a chair in the back of the stage when they're not doing anything. So Francesca is never alone. But, like, uh, she t- refers to how and people in the town like are nosy. Town thing, yeah. I guess that's what it's going for. But then it's trying to be really intimate and just about her and Robert. And they kind of want it both ways. And so I think that's one of the problems with You're Never Alone. And You're Never Alone isn't supposed to come off as creepy. And it doesn't. It comes off as the, a supportive kind of You're Never Alone. Yeah. Also, there's a lyric in the song that confuses me. Bud says, um, like, he goes to check on the Hansons. And he says, like, the moment, like, I saw that man's face, I knew just what he did. And then he describes that he had like laid in front of his thresher and like lost half his arm, and it's like, what do you mean you knew what he did when you saw his face? Presumably you would have gone in and seen his mangled arm. Yeah. So maybe I just don't understand that lyric, but being run over
1: by a tractor thing is very specific.
0: Right. There are lots of of
1: ways to commit suicide, or not that way. But if you lay in front of your tractor, usually your family can get.
0: Oh, it's an insurance type it's of an insurance
1: thing. thing. I was wondering if like maybe they were like broke. Or,
0: like, I mean they the were. They they say because in the song. Yeah. Then
1: that's probably why. It wasn't just like a dude like committing suicide, it was like a dude trying to get money to his family. Oh,
0: that he wasn't he wasn't necessarily yeah. trying to die and get like, insurance. It was that if his arm was mangled even he would get
1: insurance. Yeah, yeah.
0: Which he does, so they say like, in the song that, like, they talk to State Farm.
1: Yeah, I don't know if that's, like, fully explained in the musical world. More. No, but, but that, that makes more like... sense.
0: I mean, also, this we've sort of gotten a little bit Marge and Charlie, who are an older couple who are their neighbors, who are almost Tenardier-esque in their random comic reliefness. They have scenes where it's just the two of them making jokes at each other and like commenting on Francesca's ongoing affair because they figure out what's happening. And it's funny and they're talented actors and it's like well-written. It's just like- Why? Because they're trying to inject humor into a humorless musical. I I mean, I I fell in love with this musical the way I fall in love with musicals. I recognize it is not the greatest musical. (laughs) Francesca then convinces Robert to stay for dinner. He's a vegetarian. She makes some vegetable stew. It's very cute. So Francesca is talking to Robert and learns that he used to be married. And Robert and she asks Robert to tell her about his wife, his, his, his former wife. I think Mary is her name. Marion, excuse me not a librarian. He mentions that Marian was a musician. So then she like comes out on stage with a guitar and sings a song about her relationship to Robert, which is like interspersed with Robert and Francesca bonding. Mm -hmm. Okay. So here's where I have to do my full rant about Jason Robert Brown. I don't care how crunched on time we are. In in contemporary musical theater, I think it has to do with how you get noticed as a songwriter. Mm -hmm. Rather than write integrated book musicals, contemporary songwriters tend to write like song cycles or just independent songs. And some of them are very good. But what they do instead with these songs is they say, I have to pack an entire musical into five minutes. And I have to give you a story with a beginning, middle and end, which isn't my particular style. Jason Robert Brown does it better than almost anyone else. I mean, most of these people never get to Broadway. He does. I think Songs for a New World, for example, has some really, really great numbers in it. And then you can skip the ones that you don't like. You don't need to do that in a real musical. Like, and and this song is extremely that. This woman who we never have seen before and will never see again, comes in and sings a song about how she fell in love with someone and there's all this photography imagery because he's a photographer. another Another Life is the name of the song. And she sings about her failed marriage with Robert and then she leaves. I get what they're trying to do. It gives a song to someone else, so it's still yeah. another solo song, because yeah. we have so many of those. And it's someone else's perspective into Robert, but she's not a character. Yeah, she's a non-person. The
1: she's there.
0: Yeah, that is literally the only time we see her. And I don't really care about why his marriage yeah. failed. Like, I get it, I get it. he's like, oh, it's because I won't open up to someone, and like, therefore it's more significant when he opens up to Francesca. We just didn't need this song. It's not good also, enough to justify it. It's
1: give him the song. So it's from his perspective, so that there's a reason.
0: Yeah, well then I guess the idea is, oh, if he won't open up. But he's opening up to Francesca. Yeah. That's the thing. Fi- I don't know. I just don't really like this but, like, song. Is Francesca supposed to, like, know that this song is happening? Yeah, he's sort he's, like, talking to her and pretty much summing up. And Francesca just kind of understands him. They, like, understand each other. There's a point in the musical where he's just like, I know exactly how you, like, take your coffee or something like that. And it's like, oh, it's because they're soulmates. <laughs> or because he went to Italy or something. But I don't know. I really don't like Another Life. You have all these choral, like, ah, that, like, that the chorus is doing to, like, constantly yeah. to, like, boost it because it's just two people singing most in the musical. And it's
1: pretty story between about two people, so. yeah.
0: And but then it's weird because then it's like, well, we have to see her family over at the state fair, which then ends up being better than the A plot. <laughs> I mean, that's also yeah. not
1: very, very surprising that that turns out to be better than the A plot because I mean, every single musical is like two people, that's true, meet, meet and fall in love.
0: That's so. true. It's like Oklahoma, I mean, everyone yeah. cares more about Ada Wanny than yeah. Lori, yeah. it's like,
1: that's also part of my problem
0: with Jason Robert Brown. As much as I love his music, I'm like, I don't care. That's another example where Parade is I'm the excited. exception. It's like during this musical, I'm like, would it have worked better as like a two-hander? And I'm like, so the last five years. No, we don't need that again. <laughs> anyway, Robert and Francesca have some brandy. Robert says, I have to leave and I am have to go photograph the bridge at dawn when the light will be perfect. And so he leaves and Francesca's like, oh, I was really attracted to him and he sings wondering which is fine. fine it's fine there's a few songs including wondering where it sort of starts slow and then like there's like a hook in it that's yeah, really good okay. so like the key change yeah. and the yeah which is like really cool um and it's a song about how he's like Oh, maybe I could have had uh, something We felt... I felt something between us. Yeah. But it can't happen. Francesca's been on and off fielding phone calls from her family. And yeah. it's always... She's getting more and more, like, terse and uncomfortable as mm-hmm. she, like, realizes something else is going on. So the next day, Francesca goes out and buys a new dress. She looks good no matter what. But, like, she looks really pretty in this dress. And she goes to the bridge because she knows that Robert will be there. Down, girl. <laughs> no chill. No chill has Francesca. So... She sings Look at Me, which is a. I really it's so like. Good. It's my
1: favorite song of
0: the show. Okay. It's a really, really good song where she sings about how she just wants attention yeah. from him in sort of whatever way it happens. Mm-hmm. And it does really well by the character. Mm-hmm. It's like an exciting, engaging song. And she I comes off as sympathetic. Yeah. So I'm going to paraphrase online theater personality David, Le- David Levy paraphrasing Forbidden <laughs> Broadway which is that um, for Bridges and Madison County, Jason Robert Brown comes out and says, I wrote another musical about having an affair. They say you write what you know. (laughs) I feel so much more for Francesca having this affair than I do for Jamie, who is the worst person. Oh my God, he's the worst. Why does anyone like, like why did Jason Robert Brown write the version of himself as less likable? Jamie is the worst. Jamie is the worst, Francesca is not the worst, not. she and nor, she nor is Robert. Valid, she has valid reasons for all the things that she does to her.
1: And while all these choices I think are like bad, because <laughs> you do have a responsibility to the people that you have like, created and established relationships and made promises to. Right.
0: Uh, things that make sense. Unlike Jamie, she doesn't forget those promises. She doesn't
1: forget those promises. For me, it's more sympathetic going, so this marriage came from a marriage of like one guy, trying to like find something of meaning in his life and this woman who just needed to get out and that's in, not like in
0: terms of her and Francesca and Bud yeah
1: yeah and and that's not the same as like the concept behind like Jamie and Kathy 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 That's not the same thing,
0: because they're like, we fell in love, and it was the most amazing love ever. And then it's like, well, then... And then it's like, but Jamie couldn't be a freaking adult. Yeah, be adults. What I do really like about this musical, there are no bad people in this musical. Buddy's not vilified. Like, we're going to get to a song of his, to something from a dream, which he's, like... I really like him, and also it helped, like, Hunter Foster, like... You can't turn off your eyes and ears around a Foster. Um... So at the bridge, Robert sings about being a photographer and he sings World Inside a Frame, which is a fine song. I do have to say, he keeps singing I Am Waiting for the Light. And I am a little annoyed by this because one, it's very George and Sunday in the park with George. Yeah. Also, it's a metaphor, his Waiting for the Light, because it's like he's waiting for lightning to strike. And yeah. on this podcast, we've already covered Big River. Which has "I am waiting for the light to shine" as the central metaphor. Yeah. So, anytime he's, I listen to "World Inside a Frame," I just think of sort of both of those musicals.
1: Have you heard "This Ordinary Thursday"? It's a compilation of songs, and there's a song about a man who takes photos and he never pays attention to his wife.
0: Ah. <laughs> anyway, so "World Inside a Frame" is an is an okay song. Once again, there's moments of the song that I like better than the song on a whole, mm-hmm. um, because. The show forget like is like we're so intimate and serious that it's like forgets to be fun a lot of the time. Mm. So when I'm listening to World Inside a Frame, I'll be like, oh, I could be listening to Sondheim or like Any waiting for the light to shine. Ever. Yeah. But Robert um gets a hold of the National Geographic with the photographs of Naples, and Francesca like has these huge like mixed feelings. Like she suddenly like remembers the home that she left, yes. and she admits that she was actually engaged when she was a a girl there and her fiancé was killed in the war. So this musical is using the sort of logic of romantic dramas of like two people meet and they're soulmates and they're meant to be together, of which I am inherently skeptical. Mm -hmm. And if you go in to see a a Meryl Streep, Clint Eastwood romantic drama, maybe your brain can accept that faster, like go to like the notebook kind of frame of mind. Mm -hmm. And with a musical, uh, for whatever reason... I'm not so quick to accept that logic. Or maybe it's this show in particular. I'll point out exactly the moment where I'm sort of like willing to accept the premise of the show. And while this helps, it hasn't happened yet. So not sort of accepting that Francesca and Robert are two souls meant to be together. If you don't believe that, you're going to have a bad time.
1: It's true. I think it's a hard thing to achieve, like, well, especially in the theater. Like, I am a well-known, huge rom-com lover. I love romance movies. It's one of my favorite things. But in movies, it's a lot easier for me to be like, oh, yeah, we're going to do this. We're going to watch this. Like, it'll be fun. It'll be sad. It'll be great. Right. But when I go into the theater, theater is like, it's raw emotion. And you have to connect to it. Yeah. And you have to connect to the people in the space. And that's both a writing and, like, an actor chemistry thing.
0: And the actors have chemistry. So because they have this moment of connection, Francesca is sort of able to convince Robert to come back to the farm again. Oh, and Bud calls, and (laughs) Carolyn Steer has reached the final, which, like, in terms of why the audience is supposed to care is because that this means the family will be away an extra day. But in terms of why I care, it's because I really want Stevie to (laughs) take the prize. Also, Carolyn has, like, these big glasses and, like, wears jeans and button-down shirts, and she's, like, kind of a tomboy and, like, a not, like... She's not like other girls kind of way. That's just like naturally like this is a teenage girl on a farm and this is how she is and I love it. And me watching would be like small queer, (laughs) small queer. Could be, but she does get married and have a baby in the course of the musical. It is my duty to inform you. (laughs) So Bud has a song, Something From a Dream, which, okay, is the Jason Robert Brown, I'm going to have one person sort of sing a story start to finish. Mm -hmm. In this case, I like it. I like it because it's a good song. I like it because they set up the context better. Bud is a character we care about and also they have him sort of like Telling like the as if the audience is sitting next to him at a bar. Mm-hmm. Also, we get that Bud understands Francesca more than maybe she realizes. Like it's a really pretty song, and he says things like, "She doesn't really share with me, but she probably feels uncomfortable asking me what she needs because she knows how hard everything is for me."
1: What is the song in which he sings about
0: being the conquering American? This is it. This is it. That is a weird line. He's like a, a country that I wanna, kid. I kill him. <laughs> Right, that, so that's a moment where he has a fundamental lack of understanding about yeah. Francesca and where she's coming from because it's like, I must be so impressed with her. It's like, well, well no. I mean, like, she probably has mixed feelings about you as an American at best. I mean, obviously yeah. the Americans were the good guys in this context, but she's not going to be necessarily emotionally feeling that. We don't ever learn if he knows about her fiance that she yeah. lost. I go
1: under the premise that he doesn't because they don't really know much about each other, period.
0: But what you do get about this song is how much he cares about her and loves her. I like the song. This song makes me hate him. Okay, so we got yeah. opposite reactions yeah. from this song. He's like,
1: uh, Italians are all lazy, and I'm the conquering American, and I'm like,
0: I don't care about you. I'm I sort of this. accept it within the so idiom so of the it. Iowan farmer, That's and funny. it's 1965.
1: No, I know, yeah. Exist. Sorry, I, I do come from these people, so I don't anyway, never mind. them.
0: Francesca takes a bath and so Kelly O'Hara gets kind of naked which is great we don't like really see everything (sighs) Francesca comes down and she and Robert sort of confront each other and she says like what so you just go town to town like seducing housewives and he's like no I try to leave every town I I try not to get attached and I've been trying to leave and you've been making me stay and she's like oh yeah Anyway, her neighbor Marge calls to sort of interrupt them about to make out. But in the, on the phone to Marge, she's like, oh, I'm going to go to Des Moines tomorrow. And so she hangs up and Robert's like, oh, so tomorrow we're going to go to Des Moines together. And they dance together to the radio, but the radio song is Marge as a character singing. And it comes yeah. off as a humor song because Marge is in like hair rollers and it's really <laughs> cute. The song is a little bit over the top, even as like a fake radio song, but it really works in the show because it's played for laughs, but not too much. And then we get to see, like, the heat radiating off of Kelly O'Hara and Stephen Pasquale. (laughs) So then we get our finale act one, Falling Into You. Which, once again, like, why wait half the song? I understand why they're waiting half the song to pick it up. I love the song once it gets to Francesca. Right. (sighs) once he stops singing. It just seems that Francesca's parts are
1: always better. Like the writing for her music is just so much better.
0: It's a cheesy song also, but it's cheesy, but their chemistry carries it. I really love that song. Like once again, it's sort of like, it's a beautiful romantic song of all my life, I've been falling into you. But the imagery of how they were always drawn (laughs) together is really strong and really nice. And it takes all of act one for them to consummate their relationship. Time is weird in this musical because act one is like a couple days and act two is in a couple more days and then the last like 10 minutes of the musical is like 20 more years. So act two starts with my favorite song in the entire musical, State Road 21, which is the one where the kids sing. Part of this factors into my ongoing obsession with Carolyn. Mm -hmm. Part of it is, so there's a sort of country like honky tonk type woman who's like playing guitar and singing a song like that you would hear at a state fair Mm and then like the kids are singing in with her and it really works and it's really fun and exciting. And I'm like, is it so hard to have a good ensemble number that I really enjoy hearing? Also, it makes me think like, There's a musical State Fair. I would rather have State Fair be about this brother and sister because in the musical State Fair, the Rodgers and Hammerstein, is just about the kids, like, falling in love. And I care so much more about, like, the wife who's entering, like, the food competition and then someone spikes her recipe and everyone gets drunk and wins. That's so much more interesting. Anyway, so State Road 21, it cuts out, like, really sharply, which I'm like, ugh, because Carolyn's solo in State Road 21 is my favorite moment in the entire musical, hands down. She sings about how she's just had seven corn dogs and thinks she's going to die. And like judges are probably like big city folks from Ohio. And they don't understand all the work she's put into raising this steer. And I just love her. It's really good. Anyway, but the song immediately cuts out and we get into Robert in bed with Francesca. And he sings who we are and who we want to be, which is fine. It's fine. That's all I have to say about that. But yeah, he's just singing like, oh, I love you. And we have slept together and it was great and it's fine. And anyway, and afterwards they're talking and they're both like, well, that's the best sex I've ever had in my life. Clearly we're soulmates, which is like. That's not how that works. I mean, like chemistry is important, but yeah. There
1: are other things, folks.
0: Um, So Francesca explains to Robert her backstory and almost real. Almost Real is not only sort of fake opera, it's, like, her aria. That said, I don't like this song. I, I want like, to like it. I like it. I want to like it. It's her song about, like, how her mean, slutty sister, like, bullied her. Yeah, yeah. And then she was sad that her fiancé died, so she ran away to America. Yeah. She's great. I just— I, I think my problem is I'm just so enamored with Kelly. Every I mean, time she opens she's mouth, so I'm great. So she's funny. so great. It sounds so good. And, I'm like, these are notes that we haven't them. heard her hit since Light in the yeah. Piazza, that yeah. it's, like, she can still do that. Yeah. So, yeah, so the song does do a lot to explain her perspective and like her loneliness and like the compromises that she's made and why. So, Francesca and Robert end up back at home and they're talking about, well, what happens now? Yeah. And we get before and after you and one second in a million miles. For me, yeah. this is the moment where I can accept the premise. This is yeah. the moment where I'm like, these two are meant to be together. The music is telling me. The way they're acting is telling me. The lyrics are telling me. The, the lyrics are, the lyrics are like good enough, the and mind. the tune is and the melody is the melody fantastic. Is
1: incredible. One I'm second much, in a million miles is my jam. That's
0: so such a good song. before and after you, it's weird because before and after you starts as being this really good song, and then it cuts into one second a million miles. So I'm like, oh, this is a really good song. Oh, but Shit. what's this song charging Shit. in after it? Shit. One Second in a Million Miles is like the song
1: that comes in and it's like, wham, and punches you in the face. It's like, we're here, the musical has arrived.
0: I mean, I'm also personally a sucker for songs where someone is trying to convince someone to run away with them. Like, I love when Bruce Springsteen does it. I love it in, like, Run Away With Me. Run Away With Me, oh my god. So Before and After You, which is this great moment from her perspective Uh of, like, my life has been changed forever. And so One Second in a Million Miles, he goes, like, there doesn't have to be an after. We can just Just stay stay together. And he makes such a compelling plea. yeah because that's really what it is it's not an, it's very not an that argument the music
1: is happening behind him, yeah it's
0: really good. <laughs> oh my god it's so good and it's so good that she's like yeah okay maybe <laughs> <laughs> maybe I'll destroy my whole
1: life things I mean and she says
0: that. things in the song like I don't want to go back to a world without this like this is like she has her part of the song and then he has yeah. his part of the song and then they sing together and like each of those three iterations are yeah. just like we yeah. get what we want from each character and then we yeah. get them to get uh yeah like Okay, I give you this, Jason Robert Brown. I give you this, and I give you this musical. It makes it worth it. (sighs) Anyway, so they go to sleep together. They, like, bed each other again. They bed each other. That's, like, a way you say it. And Stephen Pasquale, like, unbuttons his shirt again. It's great. And Kelly O'Hara is always wearing these, like, really, like sexy but not over the top slips mm-hmm. that look and like she lets her hair down and she just like looks oh, so beautiful yeah. like and she also you can tell she like looks beautiful because someone is loving her kind of thing that the oh, fact that she yeah. can turn that on as an actress amazing. is amazing. amazing anyway so they wake up the next morning and realize that it's almost noon and they've slept in and her family's gonna be home really soon so Robert's like all right I will be in town at like 6 p.m. and if you come with me we can go off together yeah. and she's like well maybe but I have to say goodbye to my family yeah so he leaves and the family gets home and Stevie won. won, Stevie won, the Steer Yay. of the Year. But they were just on the way back from like an eight hour car drive. The dad is bickering with the kids. The yeah. kids are bickering with each other. And, and in terms of like her trying to think to herself, do I stay or do I leave? Yeah. Like they don't realize they don't that really they're auditioning really. for her like staying, staying. with the, the family yeah. and not abandoning them. Yeah. But she does like have a moment with her daughter where she's like, I love you so much and I care about yeah. you because also this is I'd 1965. If she leaves and runs away, yeah. there's not even the option to, like, Skype. Because Francesca would would want that option, but it doesn't exist yet. Yeah. So Francesca is kind of a mess, and her neighbor comes over and is like, I made you guys some dinner. I know you had an affair. She sort of insinuates, and she's like, it's fine. And Francesca's like, oh, in Iowa, people care about each other. Okay, whatever. Okay. She tries to tell Bud that she was unfaithful while he was away, and he sort of, like, won't hear it. Yeah. Which is within character and is not an unreasonable way to process that sort of thing. But she does tell him explicitly, like, I'm homesick. I'm beginning to, like, wonder about the choice I made. She goes, I wonder if I wasted my life. And he's like, wasted your life? Like, we started a family together, which he is also, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To be like, what
1: the fuck? This is our This is what we built together.
0: Right. They all decide to go into town and get ice cream, just sort of to diffuse the tension everywhere. Uh Okay. Robert sees them in town and Caroline goes like, mama, who's that man over there? I had read the Wikipedia plot summary and I knew this moment was coming and I'm still viscerally mad about it as it is messing with the audience. So what the show does is it shows Francesca run from her family, go throw her arms around Robert and say, let's leave together. And then like she walks back to her family and it turns out it was all in her head and she goes to her daughter and goes like, oh, that's a photographer who asked me for directions. And she and Robert like make eye contact and they walk into the ice cream parlor. It's one thing that she has to make that decision, which is heart wrenching enough as it is at this point now that I've like bought this. The fact that they are messing with you and like raising your hopes and like making you feel really satisfied only to dash them is is, like personally offensive. (laughs) I am so mad that that happens. Then the musical jumps forward years at a time. So it's just like, Carolyn gets married and has a kid. Michael ends up going to medical school so he doesn't have to be a farmer. Um, And the song is interspersed with When I'm Gone, which is partly Bud, mostly Charlie, the neighbor, singing about what they are thinking about death. And they both die over the course of the song, like as time is passing. So the song itself, even though it's like, I don't know why we should care about Charlie dying. And the song, I mean, we do get Bud in the song saying, like, I cared about my family. Bud and Michael, his son, fight on and off the whole musical, and they never really reconcile. But when Bud's sort of singing, like, about death, he's singing, like, and I care about my son and my my children and I love my wife. Bud must die very young. They're like, oh, he gets sick, but, like... He wasn't supposed to be that old when he found Francesca in Italy. And then he, she mentions being like 21. Oh, 21, building a home. Right. So at maximum, it's been like 10 years since the start of the musical. So he's maybe like 50. And they don't really, they're just kind of like, oh, people get old and die. He did not get old. Bud dies really young and they barely address it. Anyway, so Francesca is sad about her husband, loves her children, clearly still hung up on Robert. Mm -hmm. Also, there's, like, no songs for a little while, here, which I guess is fine. It's not, like, 1776 level of no songs for a while. And so we meet Robert. We see Robert talking to, like, on the phone to an assistant at National Geographic. He insinuates that he's dying. He says he's retired. been like, Why
1: is everyone dying so young?
0: Because harsh, a middle, real America. I don't know. Yeah. So Robert was sort of always waiting for Francesca's call, and she never did. She chose her family because... It was the right thing to do. And he packs everything up and sort of preparing for death. And he sings, it all fades away. How do you feel? (laughs) This is
1: pretty. And that's kind of all I had because I didn't really know what
0: it was about. It's him looking back at the end of his life and saying, the only thing that I really care about was our affair.
1: This musical should be called
0: Our Mother's Brief Affair.
1: That's sad.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I liked it quite a bit. I thought it was just a a very pretty song. It is a bummer. This musical is trying aggressively to be a bummer.
1: (laughs) Like it is. It's like, isn't it It sad that
0: they can't be together? I'm like, I guess, but like, they've both gone and lived lives, but they're both like, no, but you are the person I cared about. But we'll get to in the finale that she's a little bit more mature than him, really. So Francesca goes to the bridge and gets a letter from Robert. And the letter is like, if you have this letter from me, it means I'm dead.
1: Oh
0: no! Um, and he goes, I understand why you never contacted me. Your love for your family is part of my love for you. And I'm like, okay, sure. What's interesting is her kids have sort of de aged. Like, you can see them sitting on the back of the stage and they've gone back to being teenagers. I'm not sure what the significance of that is. As the finale, which we're about to get up to, goes on, um, Francesca also de to being a young woman. Mm-hmm. I, I think that Kelly Howard does something very subtle mid-song with her voice to make herself sound younger. Mm-hmm. I don't know I, if I can pinpoint that. it. In, uh,
1: in a chorus, my choral director would always tell us, to sing like you're 30, to make us sound more mature, and it instantly, huh. it made all of us sound really, really good.
0: Anyway, so Francesca sings Always Better, where she essentially says, I regret nothing. And then in the end of the song, sort of ghost Robert, who's also magically young, comes out and sings a reprise of Million Miles Away. Mm-hmm. And they embrace and it's like, oh, we're supposed to be happy. I'm not really happy because yeah. this is her imagination. But she essentially says, like, "Tis better to have loved and lost. Yeah. And I had my family, which meant a lot to me. And it's like, yeah, because like you can have more to your life than with like, love. than even necessarily romantic love with this one dude that yeah. you didn't know very well. like it. Both yeah. like both of those things, yeah. yeah. Always better is pretty enough, and it finishes on a high note because they're bringing in a song that we liked better. Yeah. So once again, to steal from another theater podcast. In the Maximum Theater podcast, one of the podcasters, so once again, this guy was just talking in a theater and didn't know that it would end up on two podcasts. He's seeing Bridges of Madison County, and he gets up and he goes with his family to leave, and he turns to someone and goes, well, that was beautiful, but dumb. <laughs> and that phrase was in my head this entire musical. Yeah. And it's kind of true.
1: Yeah.
0: And dumb isn't necessarily the right word, because I don't want to be, like, dismissive of these, like, high emotions. Yeah. I don't know what it is that needs to happen to make this musical better. And I don't know if it can be.
1: Like, there's enough good going on in this musical that if somebody really wanted to make it great, I think they could. Not everyone will want to see something like this. I stole this a little bit from uh, Jen Tupper. But, like, I've I've heard her say, every musical is for someone. And I am a sucker for things like this. And, like, emotions and situations that the characters go through that are... uh, very relevant to things that people who are close to me went through,
0: like decisions in decisions. real life and like consequences. Life. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: exactly, and like really having to like
0: wrestle with that. That's. A really good point. And, and going yeah. out to, like, a form perspective, yeah. like, Jason Robert Brown, he writes musical theater music that pleases him and that has yeah. a unique sound. Yeah. He's not out here to give you, like, big, flashy whatever. He just wants to write something he think will make a compelling story. Yeah. And this show is clearly a labor of love, and it's not particularly commercial, and you can feel that.
1: I mean, it's also the reason why I think his shows end up going to Broadway, because, like, the theater community has decided that they like it. He tells these stories that he thinks are important
0: to tell or that he wants to tell. So, Bridges in Madison County didn't do very well the Tony year. It was the same year as Gentleman's Guide. So, it got nominated for Kelly O'Hara and for lighting design, and it took home Ooh, score course, and orchestrations. Center. Donald Holder. It took home score and orchestrations, which okay. both went to Jason Robert Brown. Mm-hmm. He made this... Tony's speech for both the things first of all he's like they're not gonna show this on TV and it's like I agree with you but you're being like obnoxious and then he made the speech about how like women are underrepresented in theater and about how this show is about like Marsha Norman and Kelly O'Hara and like the women who are involved with the show and on the one hand like thanks bro yeah on the other hand like this one's for the ladies and it's like no it's your Tony and like a musical at the end of the day about women like falling in love and that being their like, which is like he's really he's he writes some really good women, but they they you, you, they always they all like end lives. up someone. What we would like to finish up: Are you gonna be able to pick a least favorite and favorite lyric? Least favorite lyric. I pulled Italians this stuff. Italians
1: are lazy, and I am the conquering American. I mean, sure, I'm sure you are. You're probably an asshole, but those are my least favorite things. Um, it makes them entirely unsympathetic to me, even if it is.
0: He says the line with like the Italians laziest people. He says it with like a laugh, like just joking. It doesn't unwrite the line, but it's like I'm Hunter sure, Foster sure addressing Hunter
1: Fo- it. Yeah, I'm sure Hunter is great. And yeah.
0: Bodies of the and then
1: my people favorite on stage. Would be the, like, wh- I'm paraphrasing, but whatever that it is like building homes out
0: of safety pins. Uh she grabs a box of like safety, safety pins, pins and builds herself a home. Oh, I love that. So Miley's favorite lyric is actually from One Second in a Million Miles. This is just uh, something that annoys me. It's not necessarily a badly written line. He's telling him to run away with him. And he goes, crowds and camels and hillsides to climb. And I know he's saying there's crowds and we can see camels and like we can climb hillsides. But it makes it sound like they're going to climb the crowds and the camels and the hillsides. And all I can do is picture the two of them like climbing up on a camel. Just like slightly awkwardly phrased. It's not a real problem. So my favorite lyric is from It All Fades Away, which a lot of it is cheesy about like, all oh, the things I was doing, but nothing compares to you. It all fades away but you. I feel it and I feel what they're feeling and I don't care if it's cheesy. Is he goes, uh, he's talking about all things he did and he goes, and the only thing that mattered were the four days in your arms. I really like it partly because also it's this like moment of like male sensitivity. He's not like mm-hmm. the four days you were mine. He's like, there's yeah. some, there's something very sensitive just, and like, gentle about care. it, yeah. My least favorite lyric is from a g- well-written song lyrically and my favorite lyric is from a song where I mostly don't like the lyrics. I think we've made it through. Yeah. Emily, thank you for coming back. Thanks for having me. Yeah. yeah. My Twitter is AK
1: underscore Quicksilver. Uh, Emily go And that's
0: like it. I got it ringing in my ears and my hands keep shaking. I ate seven corn dogs to Pick a little, talk a little. You can follow us on Twitter at Paltal Podcast, as in P-A-L-T-A-L. Email us at Paltal Podcast at gmail.com or find us on Facebook. Pick a little, talk a little. We are produced and edited by the incomparable Rachel Jacobs. You can find her at Rachel-Jacobs.com or on Twitter at WTFRJK. I've been your host, Gabrielle Gazelowitz. I'm at gabriellegazelowitz.com, which is spelled in a way that you probably wouldn't guess. And I'm on Twitter at Gabby Gazelowitz, so see if you can find me. So until next time, and as they say in Into the Woods, I guess this is goodbye, old pal. You've been a perfect friend. I hate to have to part, old pal. Someday I'll buy you back. I'll see you soon again. I hope that when I do, it won't be on a plate.